Welcome to the Every Believer a Witness podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping ordinary believers start or get better at sharing the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't make any difference if you've never ever shared your faith, if you sometimes share your faith, or if you always share your faith, I believe you'll benefit from the Every Believer a Witness podcast. This is Dennis Nunn, the developer of Every Believer Witness, and today we want to talk about turning secular conversations into spiritual conversations. When you drive out of the parking lot of our church, we have signs, you are now entering the mission field. And that's really true, because most of the people in our community and in your community that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ aren't thinking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're going through school, work, uh, sports, the office, the neighborhood, and they're pretty much consumed with the issues of life, and they're not really thinking about eternity and salvation and what Jesus has done for them. And so we want to be ready to pick up on where people are in our normal daily conversations and look at all times to turn the conversation to Jesus if we can. And so how do you do that? Here's the first way. Number one, listen for people sharing experiences like yours. For example, you're talking with a coworker, you're talking with a with a, a neighbor, and you hear them talking about divorce or aging parents or losing a job or health problems or rebellious children. Uh, you're talking with a friend who didn't make the ball team, who doesn't know whether they're going to get accepted into college or not. They're talking about some issue that they're facing in their life, and you had a similar experience in your life, then you can easily make a transitional statement like, huh, boy, I know what it's like about losing a job, or I remember when the same thing happened to me. Boy, that's tough when I went through that. Let me give you an illustration personally. I was teaching in the town of Athens, Tennessee. I was staying at Hampton Inn. And I went out one morning, and obviously because I'm teaching, but also just because I try to practice what I preach, I'm always looking for every opportunity to talk to everyone I can about Jesus. And so this guy was standing outside several mornings smoking, and I'm a, I'm a recovering smoker, you know, and by the way, smoke is just terrible to me. Uh, gives me an immediate headache. But I'm thinking, you know, this is somebody I really need an opportunity, if I can, to talk to him about the Lord. And so about the third morning that I saw him, even though I really didn't want to be around the smoke, I just said, boy, this is a beautiful day the Lord's given us today, isn't it? And he said, it sure is. And I said, I've, I've seen you several days here. Uh, you obviously, uh, what kind of business are you in? And he told me. And I said, do you travel a lot? And he said, I'm on the road just about every week. I said, boy, it must be tough being away from home all the time. He said, no, it's not tough. It's good because me and the old lady are not getting along. We're probably going to be getting a divorce. And when he said that, I said, oh, man, I know about a bad marriage myself. Um, the first 11 years my wife and I were married, it was not good arguing, fussing, not getting along. I'd be glad to be away also. I think... Had I not become a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't mean like I got religion, but 
But I'd, uh, I'd been in church enough to hear the preachers talk about how Jesus had uh, come to earth and died on the cross as uh, the payment for our sins, all the wrong things we've done, and how he proved it was true that God raised him from the dead. And I kind of wrestled with believing that for a while, but finally I realized it was true. And one day, right down Interstate 40, uh, I just called out and said, Jesus, my life's a wreck. Come in and forgive me and take over. And he did. And then part of that package deal I got with Jesus is he really began to help me and help our marriage get better and better. When you hear people talking about life experiences, whatever it is, look to shift the conversation. If you've had a similar experience, just make a transitional statement. Oh, boy, my heart goes out to you. Or I remember when I, I got fired or I remember this. But, you know, you can't experience everything everyone else does. So number two, listen for people sharing emotions like yours. You hear people talking about depression, fear, anger, loneliness, uh, hurt, anxiety, and you've had that emotion either before or after Jesus. Then you can say, wow, I can relate to that or, ooh, I have been through a real struggle with that myself, or uh, I know, boy, I know what it's like to battle with this. I was in Ocala, Florida, leading an Every Believer Witness conference, and it was April, and it was still kind of chilly where, where I was from, but in Florida, it was pretty nice. So I would go out and sit by the pool each morning and uh, have my devotions, read the Bible and pray before the pool opened up. And about the third morning I went in, this guy followed me in through the gate. And I thought, rats, I'm not going to be able to just have my quiet time today. Now I thought, well, that's a pretty selfish thought. Uh, you're down here teaching about witnessing, and <laughs> here's somebody who is going to be around you. And so I just commented to him. Uh, I said, uh, how are you today? He said, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. I said, well, what would have to happen for you to be really, really good? He said, oh, I'd... I'd have to get over this depression. I made progress, but I'm still battling depression. I said, oh, man, I know what it's like to struggle with depression. There was a time in my life that I was so depressed that I was sitting on the side of my bed with my gun and, and think about killing myself. And he said, you did. He said, I've done that myself. And we ended up getting to sit beside the pool for about 45 minutes and me share in depth with him about how Jesus Christ had changed my life and share the gospel with him. Lynn didn't trust Christ that day, but I'm trusting God that he's going to use his word and his spirit to do it. So, it, But it doesn't have to be a pre-Jesus. For example, do Christians, uh, people who love God, do Christians sometimes battle depression? Sure they do. Uh, the Bible tells us don't fear. Are Christians ever fearful? Yes. The Bible commands us, don't worry about things. Do Christians ever get anxious? Sure. Do Christians ever get lonely? Sure. So you hear someone talking about uh, loneliness, and you can talk about, oh, well, I know what it's like to battle loneliness. In fact, I, I struggle with it myself. After work, I, I get home, and I'm there in the house by myself, or I'm in the apartment by myself, and the evenings go on, especially in the wintertime when it starts getting darker sooner and and I just, I just feel very, very lonely sometimes. And I do tell you, I, I think that may be the time that I'm most thankful that I am a Christian. I don't mean like I'm 
you know, a really uh, religious, I don't mean it that way, but I mean, uh, when I was just a nine-year-old boy, one night at home, uh, my dad was tucking me in, and you just share whatever your salvation experience was like. But suppose it was you were saved when you were nine years old. And you could say, you know, I'd, I'd been hearing at church in my Sunday school class and my children's area. They were always talking about Jesus and what he had done for us, how he had lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins and, and rose again from the dead to prove it was all true. And I was wondering about that. And I asked my dad about it that night. And he explained it more to me. And that night, as a nine-year-old boy lying in my bed, I asked Jesus to come into my life and forgive me and take over. And he did. And I didn't know it then, but Jesus said he would never leave me nor forsake me. And I think it's those times when I'm really feeling loneliest that I am most thankful that I know, though I might feel that way, I'm really, really, really not alone. So... How do you turn secular conversations to spiritual conversations? You want to be listening. You want to listen for people sharing experiences that they're having that are like yours. You want to listen for people sharing emotions like yours. And then listen and look for opportunities in current events is the third thing that you can do. And by the way, notice the first word of each of these three. Listen for people sharing experiences. Listen for people sharing emotions. Listen and look for opportunities in current events. And so a major part of sharing our faith is not talking. It's listening. What's going on in people's minds? What are they thinking about? So you hear people talking about terrorism, unfairness, tragedies, and a biggie today. How about politics? You hear people complaining about this complaining about Democrats, complaining about Republicans, complaining about Libertarians, complaining about this, complaining about taxes, whatever it may be. It's just so easy to say, oh, well, I tell you, isn't it going to be wonderful when Jesus comes back and is in charge of the earth? You know, isn't it going to be great when Jesus comes back, like he said, and establishes his kingdom and there's not going to be any more of this unfairness? You know, Boy, it's going to be wonderful when Jesus is in charge. We're not going to have to worry about terrorism. So we're looking for every opportunity to turn a secular conversation to a spiritual conversation. Now, all of these are are reactive. We're listening and we're responding to what we hear. But the fourth thing we can do is make leading statements. Uh, Be proactive. I try to say, rather than saying, isn't this a beautiful day? I love to say, isn't this a beautiful day the Lord's given us today? Because I read in a book one time that said, this is the day the Lord's made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And then another thing I love to do, uh, I learned it from one of my good friends, Lonnie Pope was his name. He's with the Lord Jesus now. He became a friend of ours. We met him while we were teaching. He ended up being a board member and a dear friend. And I, I picked up something from him, and I kind of adapted it. And I love to say this. If I'm out in public and people say, how are you today? You know, rather than saying good or fine or wonderful or whatever, I try to remember to say, oh, it's, I'm doing great. This is the third best day of my life. Now, when I say that out in public, oh, wonderful, third best day of my life. 
most of the time, they look at you a little funny, but that's kind of the end of it. But very frequently, they'll say, well, uh, what, what, what makes this the third best day? Or often they'll say, uh, why is this the third best day? And I'll say, well, day number one is when Jesus Christ forgave me of all my sins and made me a new person. Day number two is when my wife married me, because that's been the second greatest blessing. And today's the third best day because yesterday's gone. I can't get it back. I may not be here tomorrow. That makes today number three. Most of the time it ends there, but I have ended up getting into serious conversations with people about the gospel through it. So rather than just say great or fine or okay, try saying wonderful third best day of my life. Because the fact is, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's either the second or the third best day for sure. Here's another thing. You've got a job interview coming up. You've got a chemistry exam coming up. You've got some something big in your life coming up. And, and when it's over, somebody says, how did it go? And you say, oh, went good. Man, me and the wife been praying about that. Me and the hubby been praying about that. How'd you do on that chemistry exam, Zach? Woo, made 83. <laughs> Boy, I'm so glad me and dad been praying about that. Now, you can't say that if you haven't been praying about that. But I like to do it to try to do everything to drag God and our Lord Jesus into the conversation. You can't do it always, but if I'm intentional, it's amazing how often we can do this. You say, well, Dennis, listening to you sounds like you want me to just get up every day and go out and try to talk to everybody I can about Jesus. Yes, 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 that's exactly right. I heard a preacher say, he said, have you ever thought about the fact that God, when he saved you, the day you repented of your of running your own life and being your own boss of your sin and you turned to the Lord Jesus who loved you and died for you and rose again, that day when he came in and forgave you and made you a new person, you ever wonder why God didn't just take you on to heaven right then? He said, think about it. Everything we do on earth, we can do better in heaven except for two things. He said, number one, and it, by the way, he did also talk about things like prayer and singing and worship and how much better it'd be up there. But he said, there are only two things you can do better on earth than you can in heaven. He said, number one, you can sin better on earth because you can't sin in heaven. He said, number two, you can talk to lost people who need Jesus on earth because there won't be any one of those in heaven. He said, now, which one of those reasons do you think God left you here for? So I try to wake up every morning, laying in bed before I get out of bed and think, well, Lord, you left me here for another day and you left me here so I can just be your servant and make much of Jesus today. And so help me look for every opportunity to brag on my Savior, the Lord Jesus. Now, as we close, let me tell you why listening and changing secular conversations to spiritual conversations is so important. Newsflash, newsflash, 99% of the people you're going to see today aren't giving one thought about going to heaven or hell. They're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about eternity. They're thinking about, what if I can't pay my mortgage? What if I lose my job? What if my company downsizes? What if a doctor says it's cancer? What if my boyfriend breaks up with me? They're consumed with the issues of life and they're not thinking about the most important thing in their life. 
And by the way, you know, Jesus modeled this for us. And John chapter 4 tells us about Jesus going to Samaria. And he sits down by a well outside the city of Sychar. And he's sitting there and he sends the disciples away to buy food. He's tired and hungry. And a woman comes out of town. Now, this woman's been married five times and she's living in adultery with a guy right now. And when this woman approached Jesus at the well, do you remember the very first thing Jesus said to this adulterous five-time married woman? Give me a drink of water. Now, why would Jesus ask some adulterous five-time married woman for a drink of water? Here's why. Where did he meet this woman? At a well. What had the woman come to get? Water. What was on her mind? Water. So what did Jesus start talking about? Water. And then he changed the conversation to a spiritual one. And that's what we do when we listen for people sharing emotions, experiences, and talking about current events. I want to encourage you to do that today. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, please let your friends know about it. Feel free to email us with any questions you have. Email us with subjects or topics that you'd like for us to cover in our podcast. You can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at E-B-A-W dot O-R-G. And until next time, remember, Jesus is coming soon. Let's be helping our families and friends be ready for His return. God bless you.